Good evening, and thank you for joining us. If you are a first-time guest, we welcome you. We're honored to have you with us tonight. We hope that you will uh, follow us on Facebook and kind of stay tuned uh, as we share these messages. And it's a good way to get to know us. We are a diverse church, and um, you'll see that reflected in those who are sharing our messages. You'll see that reflected even in, in the way we comment in our in our chat there. Uh, but welcome. For those of you who are join us all the time, it's great to see you all as usual. And uh, don't forget, any information that you may need about us, or you're uh, curious about us, go to newarkepc.info. There you will find um, past messages. You'll find an area where you can submit prayer reports and praise reports. We do want to hear the good things that God is doing. We want to share in that with you as well. And there's lots of other information there, but that's your place to go. That's your number one go-to place, newarkupc.info. Well, this evening, I'm going to round out our series that we've been on for the past two weeks, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And in this series, we have been looking at the uh, various kings and, and queens, if you will, or wives of the king of Israel and Judah, and trying to glean from their lives uh, lessons that we can apply to ours. And so we're going to jump in tonight, and uh, let's ask the Lord to be in our presence. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together your name. We worship you this evening, Lord. God, we ask that you would be in our midst, O oh God, that you would cause us to be attentive, O oh God, to your word, to uh, glean from it that which you would like us to, to apply to our lives, O oh God. What good is your word if we don't apply it, Lord Jesus? Bless each and every person listening to this broadcast, O oh God. Give us understanding, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before I jump into uh, the person I'm going to focus on tonight, which is Abigail, who most of you know became a wife of King David, I think it's important to give you some context so that you can better understand how she and David's lives intersected in the first place. So, um... I'm going to pick up in 1 Samuel uh, verse chapter 25. But prior to chapter 25 in Samuel, um, many of you know King Saul was the first king of Israel. And uh, King Saul failed to completely follow the Lord's instructions to totally destroy the Amalekites. And he continued taking matters into his own hands. Uh, uh, actually prior to that, uh, was stepping out of his lane as king and taking on the responsibility of a priest and offering an evening sacrifice. And these two events, and I'm sure others, caused God to reject Saul as king over Israel. The prophet Samuel is then given instructions by God to go to the house of Jesse, for I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And the prophet Samuel did as God, as God instructed him. The sticky point here is that while this young man, David, had been anointed by Samuel, he doesn't come into power immediately. Saul is still very much alive and operating as king of Israel. You can see how dicey that situation can be. So between uh, 1 Samuel 16 and where we'll begin this evening in chapter 25, many twists and turns happen. David kills the giant Goliath which brings him to Saul, uh, to King Saul's attention, wins him favor with the king, and elevates him from David the shepherd boy to a high-ranking leader in King Saul's army. David becomes the man. In fact, in 1 Samuel 18, 5-9, it says, 
whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. When the men were turning, were returning after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me? With only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Well, let me tell you, that close eye Saul kept on David was not an eye of affection, but a green eye of jealousy. That green eye of jealousy escalated to the point that Saul put a hit out on David. Oh yeah, he wanted that brother dead. David continues to win battle after battle and conduct himself honorably. He knew that Saul wanted, to, wanted him dead, but instead of turning on Saul and taking him out, he took the high road, literally, and fled from Saul. So you've got to go back and read this whole story for yourself. I cannot do it this evening. It is a fantastic story. I mean, it will have you just drawn in. But I've got to get back to my focus tonight, which I mentioned to you was Abigail. So let's see where Abigail comes in and how her interactions uh, provide lessons that we can live by. Now, David and his men, they're still on the run from Saul. This went on for quite some time. And I'm going to pick up at 1 Samuel 25. And it says, now Samuel, and remember, Samuel was a prophet who had anointed the shepherd boy David. Now Samuel died and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man there. I'm sorry. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent 10 of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to send us I'm sorry, so would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and your and with your friend David. David's young men gave the message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who are running away from their masters. Now here, Nabal was throwing shade. He was most likely uh, referring to King Saul. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat and I'll, that I've slaughtered 
for my shares and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where. And he's living up to his name, isn't it? So Davis' young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. Get your swords, was Davis' reply as he strapped on his own. Oh, this was bad news. They were ready to posse up. Then 400 men started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard their equipment. 400 men about to land on your house? That's scary. Let's see what happens. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at him. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do. For there's nothing to be, I'm sorry, for there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He's so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Now, I think it's very interesting that the servant knew where to go um, in a time of crisis. You need to figure out something, Abigail, the servant says. So I'm picking up at verse 18. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go ahead and I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his fox in the wilderness and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me, even if one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Ooh, David was hot. Verse 23 says, when Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. Now, Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. I'm sorry. I know Nabal is an evil and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay him any attention. He's a fool. And she called her husband out, but it is what it is. Just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty. For you are fighting the Lord's battles and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. 
but the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Hmm. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Mm-mm-mm. Abigail was something. Verse 32 says, David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord. I added a poof in there. Right? Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me this day. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Wow. What a story. That was awesome. David was thankful that Abigail brought the temperature down. So let's look at some lessons we can learn from this sensible woman, as she was referred to several times in the scriptures. First of all, one lesson we can learn is that who we are married to doesn't define us. We are, we are still each our own person. Nabal was a fool, but Abigail was anything but. Also, there are other scenarios where we found ourselves bound to other people. Maybe they're in work situations or other situations where we have to work with people who um, you know, are dishonest or who don't live their lives above board. It doesn't mean that we can't still maintain our integrity and be blessed. So in whatever situation you find yourself bound to those um, that may be fools or you know, a, a shady character, it doesn't mean that you can't still maintain who you are. God looks at us as individuals. So another thing that we can learn from Abigail is that who you are can position you to play a key role in the lives of your family and your community. If Abigail hadn't intervened, Nabal and his whole household would have been wiped out. Yeah. She saved her entire household from being wiped out with her actions. So it didn't matter that she was a woman. It didn't matter that Nabal was this harsh man. She still played a key role. That servant knew who to go to. The servants knew this is a sensible woman in this house. We can run to her when we need help. And she was humble enough and smart enough to intervene. Also, there's a lesson to learn when confronting power. There's a way to confront power. David was a powerful man, even before he was in power, if you will, as king. When, when a man like that shows up uh, in your pathway with 400 men behind him, you got to be careful how you respond. Now, I know we wouldn't have such an interaction, but there are times in life where we will, we will face people of power. And so when confronting power, you can get more with honey than you can with vinegar. Anybody ever heard that saying? Abigail reminded David of his better self and who he was representing. That remembrance, when, when David soaked in her words and, and that remembrance assuaged his anger, and brought his temperature way down. David was relieved. We just read that. He, he was like, oh, thank you. I was about to step outside of myself. Right? I was about to step outside of my character and take revenge. And we know from David's previous interactions, even with Saul, who was out to kill him, David was not one for taking matters into his own hand. So he had really forgotten himself in all this. And Abigail, with her wise words, reminded him, David, that's not, that's not you. Don't do that. And that's certainly not the way 
the Lord your God will want you to operate. Those those were key phrases uh, when it came to David because he cared very much about representing God well. So here was David's response. Now I read part of it, but in verse 34 it says, For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return to your home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. So when Abigail arrived home, she found Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. Okay, notice Abigail had, she was sensible because you can't talk sense to a drunk. Okay, that's a that's an extra lesson I didn't mean to draw out tonight. But you, when people are intoxicated, why waste your words? Okay, you can't talk sense to foolishness. Verse 37 says, in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke and was and lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About 10 days later, the Lord struck him and he died. Verse 39 says, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, praise the Lord who has avenged the, in, the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. That's deep right there. I know we don't do things the same right now, but I mean, man, the man just died. And David was like, I want her. Verse 40 says, when the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. <laughs> to the messengers, it was a given, right? <clears throat> wasn't, wasn't really a question. Verse 40, 41 says, she bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. See, Abigail wasn't caught up on position. That humility she had, you see, is one of those things that obviously sustained her in life. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. Now, it was very, um, I know that at the end of Abigail's uh, discourse with David, originally she said, remember me. You know, and, and David absolutely remembered her after Nabal's death. And, uh, you know, David had experience with foolish women, at least one we know of, which was his first wife, Michael. And uh, maybe perhaps that's why he quickly realized what a sensible woman, when you, you know, when, you, when you're used to dealing with foolishness, you, you you understand wisdom. You understand when you have something good. So perhaps maybe that's why it was such a stark contrast there. But anyway, um, yeah, he had experience with a foolish woman. And, and so, and how a foolish woman could affect his life. As a king, loyalty, wisdom, and diplomacy are treasured attributes. Being surrounded by people who um, will speak honestly to you and give you wise counsel, counsel is valuable. Okay, now we, we know David was surrounded by all these men. You know, there were 600 with him while he was on the run that were just describing that story right there. But but as a king, when you come into power, you want you, you want people around there that can speak truth to you. Okay, I'm talking about why Abigail uh, may have may have been uh, so appealing to him, more than just her beauty, right? The scripture talks about that as well, that she was a beautiful woman. 
so uh, again, as king, you want people around you that that are that are that'll be honest with you, not just agreeing with everything you say. Also, obviously, governing a, governing a kingdom is very stressful, right? You want peace when you come home. Talking about how perhaps he might have sold Abigail as a resource, you know, when, when when I you know when I come into my kingdom, if you will, you know, this kind of this kind of woman I want beside me, and uh, so yeah, she was a peaceful woman. Obviously, um, she was sensible. She was honest. All right. So Abigail may not have been a member of the king's council, if you will. Right. Speaking of the people that you're surrounded by in that role, she may not have been a, a member of the king's council. But as a wife or a queen, as we're referring to her in this story, um, she most likely became a resource of comfort and counsel to her king. Abigail was intelligent, knowledgeable, and perhaps even prophetic. If you go back and read Abigail's words to David, she knew way too much about some of the details of David's life. So even though Abigail was one of several wives and not a reigning queen in the way that we think of, it's not far-fetched to believe that she was a powerful woman and a great asset to her husband, David. As a sensible, wise, quick-thinking, humble, and diplomatic woman, her actions contain many lessons that you and I both can live by. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for um, this message that we've learned from the story of Abigail and David tonight, Lord Jesus. And God, help each of us, Lord, Gain not just the attributes that I pulled out, but I'm sure there are many others, Lord Jesus. Lessons that we can live by as people of God. Um, some of those outlined in this lesson, we're not taking revenge uh, for ourselves, oh God. And, and um, how soft words turn away wrath, Lord Jesus. God, help us to apply those lessons to our lives as we interact with others um, in, our, in our lives, Lord Jesus. Not just the power, but to the everyday people that we in, um, interact with, Lord. God, be with us this night as we uh, leave this platform, Lord Jesus. And God, help us to take these lessons and internalize them in our own lives. In Jesus' name. Well, I thank all of you for spending a little time with me tonight and sharing that story. I, probably every time I speak from 1st and 2nd Samuel, I say this. this like my, these are like my favorite books in the Bible, uh, if, that's, if that's okay to have them. But go back and read these stories. There are lots of lots of awesome lessons that we can learn. Uh, from the Old Testament. I know as people who live under grace, as we say, we, we kind of sometimes put the Old Testament in a different category, but this good, 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 rich word that we can all live by. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Again, remember to get to know us better, to um, get various information about small groups, um, uh, prior messages, uh, our kids, our kids uh, Bible night and, and youth classes, go to newarkupc.info. You'll find everything you need there. God bless you all and have a wonderful night.